when I decided to become an actor, I actually went and enrolled in an acting class. Which is something people don't do because I have all these people coming to me like asking for advice and they're like, oh, I've been like working out for like hours and every day. And I'm like, you don't get to learn how to act by going to the gym. You get abs at the gym. Abs don't teach you how to act. In fact, abs make it a lot worse because now you're worried about how your abs are looking on camera and not what you're emoting. So get over the fucking gym. Do that for your fitness if it's very important. Well, hello, friends. Welcome to the So Damn Productive podcast. I'm your host, Arman Kendri, and dude, are you ready to get your mind filled with productive shit? Well, that's good, because on this pod, we talk to some of the most successful people in India and ask them how the hell they do it. And today, I'm joined by Isha Chopra. She's an actress, and you might know her from hits such as Nirja and official CEO Giri. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. But I think her new claim to fame will be appearing on this pod. What do you guys think? And on this episode, we talked about so much, dude, but mainly we focused on her mental framework for dealing with rejection in the real world and how she prepares for auditions. This conversation is super practical. There's no, we can all achieve our dreams and we're all capable of doing, you know, everything that we want to do. None of that BS is on this episode. It's a practical guide on how to make it in an intensely competitive field. And now I think you've heard enough of my soothing voice. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Isha Chopra. Hey Isha, welcome to the So Damn Productive podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So by the way, dude, um little bit of a controversy lately. I've I've changed the name from the next move to so damn productive. And some people like it, some people absolutely despise it. I wanted uh what do you think? What do you think of this name? What was it before? The next move? The next move. Um and now it's so damn productive. I love so damn productive because it's basically saying that it's not productive. So yes. <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I was going for. So I'm glad you got the joke. And let's probably get on to more serious stuff and maybe more productive stuff. Um, mm-hmm. What is your favorite fruit? Um, mangoes, but only Alfonso mangoes. So I'm a bit of a mango snob, actually, because... Um, if yeah if i don't even understand honestly like if it's not alfonso mangoes like why are you even having them they're such such poor cousins <laughs> everything else like the other day there's like stupid fucking like mango comes and then they're like it's langra and i'm like even just the name <laughs> like it's just like saying that it's not it's not good enough so Dude, that's um, the thing yeah. like i don't get these names for mangoes okay alfonso is the only name that i can pronounce there's like one that starts with a b which tastes pretty good to be fair i think you like banana something like that but banana? You know, no, no. <laughs> there's some there's someone that starts with a B, but yeah, I, I don't get it. And, and you know what? The, the thing that pisses me off the most on this planet, behind people who like cats, is people who like apples. Apples are the literally the worst fruit on the planet. I don't think that they're bad. I think like apples are to fruit what vanilla ice cream is to ice cream. You know, like they they're absolutely fine as an accompaniment. Like, you know, they're great for like apple sauce, apple pie. They're mm. fine like you want to cut them up and throw them in a salad. Uh you want to make like your morning green juice taste a little better. It's great for all that stuff. It just shouldn't mm. claim to have a personality of its own. It's absolutely just not, not. 
yeah, it's just the middle child of everything, and you know, so it's like the thing that like we need vanilla ice cream. Of course, we do, but we just don't need it on its own. Mm, mm, we just we needed to like help the we needed to help the brownie. We needed to you know help the apple pie. Maybe uh, we just need it for other stuff. It just doesn't have any sort of legs to stand on by itself. Mm, I agree, and and you know, there's some humans that put apples with peanut butter, which is absolutely insane. I do not get them. Um, have you ever tried really? that? I like. Uh, I haven't, but I feel like I would like it. No, dude. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kind I of love into these butter, weird combos. You know, like I these kind. I kind of groove on these strange things. Actually, like when you kind of combine like a nut and a fruit and like, these weird things, like they oh, usually so you, work out for me. You like pineapples on pizza, guy. huh? I knew you were gonna go there. I mean, I'm um, just, uh, that's just where I had to go. I don't even know if I've ever tried it, to be honest. Mm. I'm sure I have, but I can't remember. But it's not the kind of thing I would hate. It's mm. usually the thing that you see like on a dating app or something. You know, where people write something like, oh, we're the same kind of weird if you like pineapples on pizza. Yes, dude, I see and that all like, the time. Yeah. yeah, I see it all the time. I'm like, why is this such a, like, such a popular dating app prompt, pineapples on pizza? Like, it's not like you're going to go for pizza on your first date anyway. You know, mm. and by the time you get to like going for pizza on your dates, uh, you're going to get your own pizza. So it's not it's never going to matter. <laughs> it's like really like you can't come up with anything else to talk about other than like pineapples on pizzas. But yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've seen that a lot. These but are I don't gems. know. I've, I think um, I can't even remember if I've had that or when I would have had it. But I feel like I would like it. I've, I've no reason to not like it. Mm, okay, so that that's uh, that's an action item for you after this podcast to try out. Um, so, so, dude, I, I do want to get a little bit more serious because at the end of the day, this is supposed to be a productive podcast. A productive podcast. And, and so uh, far, we've just discussed <laughs> apples and vanilla ice cream. And uh, was that your icebreaker question? Is that what um, was going on? Well, I, I I tend to have a few different icebreaker questions, but I feel like this one, you know, it works well. And you know, for listeners, they can't see us. But I always put something strange on this whiteboard and I like to see if anybody picks it up. My handwriting is shit, but like if you pick it up, it usually leads to something good. Oh, I can't even read anything. Yeah, it says apple. It, now I can see it. Okay. It, apples yeah, are the worst. I wasn't fruit. looking. And a smiley face. <laughs> so <laughs> Okay, dude. Uh so you um your story is very interesting and your story makes me feel like um, you know, I can pursue my dreams. It makes me feel like I can still be Cristiano Ronaldo if I want to really badly. Uh, and you, you know why I say that is because you, um, your story is full of resilience, I feel like, you know, um, moving from graphic design to acting, um, getting rejected quite a bit at, at the early beginnings. I, you know, I've listened to you talk about that on your TED Talk and stuff. But, uh, you know, I want to start with this, this move from graphic design. I still get rejected, by the way. So it's not <laughs> like, uh, that's the thing. And so does everyone. But as so much? I do you get rejected as much? Um, I'm going to put it this way, that I kind of know where to go now. So mm. I know that uh, when you first start, you just kind of go everywhere, right? It's like you go for every, like, every job interview in the world, even the ones that you're not qualified for or where they're not looking for you. So over time and experience, you get to understand that, all right, like, I'm not going to get this. There is no point going for that, right? So um, you go for less things and then you also become pickier, right? So when you have the option of becoming a little more picky about your stuff, like if like a role is just not exciting to me or if it's too small or if it's too, it's not got anything to do uh, with the plot or the story um, or I'm not working with people that I like, whatever it might be, then I may not go there. It's not, it may not be a job I apply to. I may not go for the audition. I may not entertain that meeting. But um, 
I think that, uh, let's put it this way, being an actor means being rejected. It means that you have to kind of create that hide for rejection because the thing is that for maybe a regular job, you just, you know, you go apply once and you might hold on to that job for like a year or two. But with us, our jobs keep coming, you know, like every month you have to look for something new and there's very little job security in that. So that whole question of, um, am I doing this? Am I good enough for this? Do you want me for this or not? Do I want you for this or not? All of that, um, it's something that just comes up in our lives very often. Mm. It doesn't happen in other professions that they have to keep asking that question to themselves again and again. And this is true for every performer. Like this happens even more for, say, a stand-up comedian, you know, who may have to go and perform every other night you know at least like when we get a job it might last a month mm, so yeah that, that makes a lot of sense. comedy is really hard by the way i've tried that also you have what was job. your experience like um so i didn't actually do it professionally i kind of like always had this like a closet comic mm-hmm. uh, in me somewhere and i was i was in london i was visiting my sister Mm-hmm. And I saw like a five day workshop mm-hmm. uh, and it was like a stand up comedy workshop. And I decided to just like, I was like, let's just do it. Right. I was mm-hmm. here. I wasn't paying rent, you know, in London because um, I was living with family. And so I signed up for this course and I have to say two things. It was the most fun that I've ever had in my life mm-hmm. uh, was this class eight hours a day for five days Two, I think that stand up comedy is probably the most difficult and the most scary kind of performance that is because you can make people kind of validate you you can make people approve you can get people to like applaud you and clap for you getting people to laugh with you (laughs) and not at you oh my god they can't just smile they can't Mm -hmm. just be like giggling or chuckling they gotta laugh Mm. you know and there could be a joke that's genuinely funny like when you wrote it and maybe it is funny but it just changes the game when you have to get an audience to laugh at you with you so, um, yeah, that's what I found. And then when I was done with it, I was like really inspired and I kind of actually did a, did a pretty good job at the end, like at the showcase. But I was just like, you know what? I've already changed careers once. I don't have it in me to do this again. <laughs> like I just did not have it in me to kind of start from scratch somewhere at mm. that moment. And I know we have to keep doing it. You have to keep reinventing yourself. But um, at the time, like this was just like too much for me. So, so what was your best? And, and I also want to hear your worst joke. Like what, what joke went off really well? What joke mm. like bombed so badly that you wanted to like, you know, cry on the stage? So I'm very good at like suppressing shit that I don't want to remember. So I don't remember. <laughs> you won't get to hear my bad jokes. I'm full of them though. Um, I think the joke that worked well was... Somebody was like saying something about how all like actresses just kind of end up looking the same. And Mm. I said, yes, that's why I'm now working on my personality. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like it. You know, dude, I I also have a little, you know, thing inside me where I'm, you know, I I would love to try stand up comedy. But that that kind of thing of putting yourself out there and then, you know, seeing the audience just go like, no, dude, that's not funny. Like because I've made jokes on this podcast where it it goes so horribly wrong and the person <laughs> just stares at me and then I'm just like, shit, I want to kill myself. Like, this sucks. Like, I yeah. can't imagine going on a stage of like 30, 40, 50, 60 people and, and doing that. So it kind of flows into this question, like, and we were talking about rejection and, and stuff earlier. What is your, you know, for lack of a better phrasing of it, but it's like, what, what's your like 
mental model for dealing with rejection? Let's say like you just auditioned for an, um, the role that you really wanted. You know, you pushed for that role. You can be picky, so you picked this one and, and you didn't get it. What, what, what do you tell yourself, you know, right after that? Um, I just... Uh, so somebody said this to me once and this is something I've kind of just like held close to my heart for a while. They're like, it is not a rejection. It's just somebody saying no. Mm. And I think what happens is that we... Um, <clears throat> We, we just, we place so much importance on somebody else's opinion of us, right? And in this case, and then we disguise it by saying that, no, it's for my work, it's a job, it's this and that. But the truth is that if you didn't get a job, you can live with it, you know? Like, I mean, sure, like as long as most of your needs are met, it's fine. Uh, I think as an artist or as a performer, what really hurts is when you feel like it's you, not your work, but it feels like it's you who's getting rejected. And when it comes to performing, it's just that you are the product, right? I mean, there is no, there's no painting, there's no book. Uh, so, and most of your work is just always very close to you. So um, I think that's what kind of ends up happening is that we take it as a rejection of the self. And we don't consider that there may be, just be anything else that's going on. Someone was looking for someone else. Someone did a better job than you. Someone slept with the producer. I don't know, you know? I mean, <laughs> it could be anything. <laughs> but... Um, you know, there's, I think what's really important to understand is it's not you who's getting rejected. It just means that, like, this one is not for you. Mm. You know, I mean, I, I want to say all those things like, oh, everything happens for a reason and this was preparing you for something else and all of that. But I think, like, honestly, I think all that stuff now just sounds really immature to me. And I'm okay with just walking away with, you know, this one wasn't for me. This just wasn't an experience that I was supposed to have. So... Dude, and, and I think that's a great way of looking at it, but do you think you can say that now because you have the luxury of doing that? You know, let's say you're talking to someone who just moved to Bombay, you know, with big dreams of, you know, being a famous actor, right? Like, you don't, especially since Bombay is expensive as hell, right? Like, you don't have probably that liberty to say, I don't want to get this, I don't need this role, um, you know, if it doesn't work out, because you got to pay your bills, right? So what do you, how, how do they, like, and you were in that situation at one point, so how, how did you deal with it then? So what you're calling the luxury is something that I call experience mm. and practice. It, this, is, this is only a luxury of thought for me. There's no point that I'm actually okay to not make money and okay to not work. Mm -hmm. uh, the only thing that's happened is that I have a certain confidence in myself right now and in my craft. So if, of course, anything, anytime that you discuss uh, being an artist of any kind, I mean, forget words like famous actor, honestly, because that, that just doesn't even resonate with me anymore. But um, any kind of artist or any kind of performer, let's just kind of move forward in this conversation knowing that, of course, we have to pay bills. So... We'll take that for granted that either you have a situation where you've got savings or you've got an alternate career or you've got a family or some kind of safety net that's helping you out. Otherwise, you may have to take up some money jobs. I take up money jobs too, right? Uh, what you're discussing right now is how do you deal with your dreams getting thwarted? The thing is that everyone's dreams are thwarted every day. It's not just actors. It's just a little more difficult over here because... This profession requires you to put yourself out there so much. In another profession or in another hobby or anything that you want to do, you may not need to tell anyone that you're doing it. You can go go there, try it out, fail, come back with your tail between your legs and nobody ever finds out. The difficult part about this is that it requires 
so much work and effort of actually turning yourself inside out. I wanted mm. to be an actor for years before I got the guts to say it to myself. Then before I got the guts to say it to my family, then I had to go say it to the world, and then I had to go and actually try. And each of those phases was a process. And I really just wish that it was easier, just on a personal level. I wish people were just more supportive because if I didn't have to fight them, then this would have just become a much easier journey. Then I, I don't want to sit here and talk about courage and determination and grit. This sure. should not be that story. Mm -hmm. This should be as simple as I wanted to do this because I love this, and I tried. And mm -hmm. I may have failed here. I may have done well there, and whatever you know. And then COVID happened, and now I'm stuck at home. But um, <laughs> my point is that this whole profession is just you know. I mean, I honestly, I'm so over these words like these big dreams and things like that. Mm. This should not be the story. The story should be I wanted to try something out and I tried it out. The world should not be coming in your way of trying. They should really just be applauding your effort, honestly, to just do something new. You know, why do we need courage to do new things? Because we're afraid of what everyone would think. Why are we afraid? Because they fucking came and mocked us and then they made it difficult for us. And we've mm -hmm. done it to other people too. We've laughed at for people sure. too. I stopped that. You know, I was one of those people that, um, you know, kind of uh, made, probably other people had to suffer me and my judgments. And it, was it wasn't until I had this experience that I realized that this is a really fucked up thing to do. Mm -hmm. You're not making life simple for anyone. And we should really just be trying to make ours and everyone else's lives simpler so we can try new things so we can become more interesting people i mean i'm a more interesting person than i was 10 years ago because i tried new things not because mm. i did well at something yeah and you know you you talk and and i really like that you talk about you know all these big dreams you know that that kind of phrasing shouldn't be in it because i agree in, in podcasts, uh, in motivational videos, that, that's the only thing that people talk about. But I like that you frame it differently. And the, the question here is, you, you talk a lot about acting as an art. And I feel like the way you think about things is, is very different, which is cool. Are there any books that like you read that kind of changed this thought process? Or has it just been experience that did that for you? I mean, I think it's everything that, I think it's all the choices that I made in the last 10 years. Um, I'm going to start with when I decided to become an actor, I actually went and enrolled in an acting class, mm. which is something people don't do because I have all these people coming to me like asking for advice and they're like, oh, I've been like working out for like hours and every day. And I'm like, you don't get to learn how to act by going to the gym. You get abs at the gym. Abs don't teach you how to act. In fact, abs make it a lot worse because now you're worried about how your abs are looking on camera and not what you're emoting. So get <laughs> over the fucking gym. Do that for your fitness if it's very important. You know, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, it so is important, folks. Keep going to the gym. That is going to be my book on acting is that... Uh, <laughs> don't go to don't the gym. Don't go to the gym. <laughs> don't go to the gym. It's going to be... <laughs> It's going to be the name of my acting book. Thank you for that. I love it. Um, no, so I'm not going to say that I read any acting books like that. Uh, there are acting books. Some of them are very good. Um, but I think that acting is best, you know, it's not, um, it's not something you read and learn. I think it's something you do and learn. Mm -hmm. um, what definitely helps is watching good actors, um, going to, the, to great plays, reading great work um, is definitely what's going to do it for you. But I think that, um, I th so when you want to talk about the craft and the skill and the talent, I think, you know, there are, of course, places you can just go and enroll in a class. You can go and try doing some theater. Why I say that is because with film acting, you have to wait to someone else to give you that job. But I think that um, I'm a very spiritual person. 
I meditate, I uh, sort of delve very deep and very fearlessly into that part of my life. So I can give you a bunch of books over there. Like I read a lot of Joe Dispenza. He's a mm-hmm. neuroscientist that has kind of converted a lot of his work into, you know, stuff that motivates people because he basically explains that every single feeling you're having is just a chemical reaction in the brain, which for me just translates as stop taking yourself so like so seriously. It's not so fucking serious. Mm. Whether you have 50 films under your belt, whether you never did a film, you're going to die anyway. You're not going to have your teeth left. You're going to be shitting in your pants. That's going to be the case anyway. <laughs> yeah. And this whole like concept of legacy and immortality has just become like so silly to me now when people talk about it. Like what you're going to leave behind. Who gives a fuck what you're going to leave behind? <laughs> yeah. Mm. I mean, really, like this, but, like but this though? is what you're sacrificing your life for, what you're going to leave behind. You're going to give up your life for what happens after you're gone. Mm. That's so fucking stupid. Mm. You know, so I think anything that tells you, that's why I hate actor interviews, especially in India. They're only talking about courage and determination. I'm yeah. so fucking sick of it. It's so boring. Mm. Oh, you know, I don't come from a star family. <laughs> you know, those are my struggles. Oh, I come from a star family. Those are my struggles. Like, you know, come on. <laughs> Dude, None of this has anything to do with acting. No, I, I know, and I and I like that. <laughs> and I gotta ask you about this: is a random train of thought. Joe Dispenza, he's that he's that you know psychologist kind of dude with the slick back, gray hair, right? With the perfect. Yeah, he's a neuroscientist. Okay, neuroscientist, dude. Is some okay? I, I gotta say, like I've watched some of his videos on YouTube. Some of this shit is bullshit, right? Like you know, we'll just dream of you know i remember watching something because my friend put me onto this you know he put me onto the secret and he's mm-hmm. trying to get me to read it i i keep you cannot compare it. the secret to joe dispenza no, the I, secret is like the soccer mom version <laughs> of spirituality but dude, the secret is what ruined spirituality for like the common man by introducing oh, it so i want to get into your spirit, spirituality stuff actually right after this because uh-huh. that's really cool but his thing of like you know someone had cancer or in a different state and 10 people got around and, and prayed or, or thought the cancer, you know, to go away and it went away. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about that? Like, well, my first question to you, is it true? I don't know. I don't, I, th- I think I remember him saying it. So it could be, you know, a little bit of libel. Um, but I, I remember hearing stuff like that. When I hear that, I'm just like, dude, come on. You're, you're kind so- of being disingenuous. I I think The Secret is the worst book that was ever published on spirituality and it is the most popular one. Mm. All right, The Secret it like okay so The Secret took something called the law of attraction which was something that was spoken about by Abraham Hicks and took it and repackaged it into something that like people would understand easier. But they made it really silly like so basically they made it something like if you really want something, you think about it and you keep thinking about it, you keep visualizing it and you will bring it into your experience. Mm-hmm. That's not what the law of attraction is about. That's not what neuroscience is about and that's not what manifestation is about. Um, when you really want something, it means that you don't have it. That's why you want it. Mm-hmm. So when you spend all that time thinking about it, you are basically thinking about what you don't have and you are basically just regurgitating regurgitating feelings of lack, mm-hmm. right? So the frequency that you're operating on, and everything has a frequency, even if you put a microscope to, you know, a really solid wall, eventually you'll find that there are atoms moving and that everything in the universe is moving. And 
like attracts like. So whatever frequency you're vibrating on is the frequency that you're going to catch. So if you really want to get married, the secret would tell you that, okay, then imagine this guy, how tall is he? What does he look like? You know, um, what are his jokes like? And they'll, you know, they'll make you imagine this person. Is That's what they kind of tell you to do. Mm-hmm. But everything else, like the the other side of spirituality tells you that you don't need to focus on what this person looks like or acts like or sounds like. You need to focus on what it feels like to be loved. Mm. And you need to operate on the frequency of love, which is literally the highest frequency out there. And when you do that, you will attract people, situations, events into your life that bring you love. And that may not come in the form of a man. That may not come in the form of, you know, anything that you imagined it to be. How does it matter as long as you feel the love that you're looking for? I, and that I, may I, come to you in the form of yourself. And I and I get that. And I, I you know, I, I honestly kind of get the the theory of the secret slightly, right? Because if you if you say like, and I, I like your point on you're focusing on lack, which is probably something you shouldn't be focusing on. But I, I get the idea of you know, if you say I want to have a six pack, like we talked about earlier um, in your book, if you say like I'm gonna have a six pack, I'm gonna have a six pack, I'm gonna have a six pack, like everything you do later in the day might be dictated by the fact that you're going because that's your goal. You're just reinforcing your goal over and over yeah. to yourself. So yeah, I, I get that. And I, I and so if you keep repeating, I want a six pack to yourself again and again, it doesn't mean that like the six pack will appear. It just means that you will start making choices in yeah. your life that will give you the six pack. So you will start, you know, holding your stomach tighter. By the next day, you will maybe call up a gym. Then the third mm-hmm. day you go there. The fourth day you'll become an actor, you know? <laughs> That's how it's going <laughs> to work. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I agree with you. Like little things, like even, even just weighing yourself every single day, um, that has been proven without even doing any dietary changes or anything like that. Just weighing yourself every single day has been a huge like correlation. And, you know, I I read it in the four hour body by Tim Ferriss of, of losing weight. Cause you just constantly are reinforcing the fact that you got to lose weight. So you're, you're keeping that in your mind. Um, we, we went off I haven't on a, stepped on a weighing scale in years. And you shouldn't, because honestly, weighing scales are bullshit a little bit. Because like, what I'm what I'm telling myself now is that my weight doesn't matter. It doesn't. You know, to be honest, yeah. though, like... If I like the way I look, I'm okay with it. Yeah, and I was just using that as an example, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, honestly, though, this is another tangent. Weighing scales are bullshit because they don't, you know, take into account, you know, a variety of different factors, like how much water you drank, all that kind of bullshit, which is which can lead you go, to go off astray when you're trying to lose weight or whatever you're trying to achieve. But that's a tangent. And I kind of want to get back onto, you know, this auditioning process because mm-hmm. the, the idea of auditioning is, seems kind of similar to the stand-up comedy thing that you were talking about. You know, you, you got to put yourself out there in an exaggerated version of yourself or into some character. So I, I want to know, like, how do you prepare for an audition? Like, you have the script. What, what is your, your preparation steps before going there? I just want to put out that that there's nothing in the world I like doing less than I like doing auditions. It's my least favorite activity mm-hmm. out there in the world. Mm. Like, I would literally rather do anything than go to the audition. Um, I think my process for an audition is pretty much the same as my process for any acting job. Mm-hmm. Um, you, in fact, it's a little worse because then you have the tension of, getting the job when you have the job then you know see actors love acting there's nothing else that we like to do more nobody's going to go through all this unless they truly truly love you know the the actual job right um what happens i think when you get to a job is that you've got the you've got the job so now what you have to do is just perform so if you do the process which i'll 
tell you in a second. Um, then it just has to kind of flow out of you. Whereas with an audition, you've got the tension of getting the job, how you're coming across to the, you know, the casting director, uh, what's going to happen, all of that stuff. Like, you know, is the person even giving you the lines right? There's so much else that goes on in an audition mentally mm. in your mind that I think it really comes in the way of acting. So auditioning really just, you get better at it with time because you stop caring so much about what a casting director thinks and you just try to go and do the best job that you can. Uh, but my process with just um, performing in general is that I read the script as much as I can. I read, I read again and again and again. And obviously with an audition that just has one or two scenes, that's a bit easier to do. I'd say the most important part about getting an audition right is getting the lines right. Because that's where your ultimate confidence comes from, is that I know my lines. Mm. And by I know my lines, it doesn't just mean that I've remembered them. You know, it also means I get them. I understand them. Um, this the, this concept or whatever this line is trying to say is so deeply embedded in my mind that if you take away the cues of the last line, if you take away what's happening, if you remove the circumstance, I can still I can still enact it. So I would say that that is the prime um, aspect of getting an audition right. Um, when I go there, then I just allow myself to be directed. Mm. So I may have like a couple of ideas that... Um, I also try and think that, you know, like, okay, they called me for this. What is it about me that they see that is right for this? What is it about myself that is just, you know, just fits with this character? So how can I play into that? And then how can I break out of that? How can I do something to su that? How can I surprise them? So I think that's what um, the castings that I always find interesting are the ones where which are against type. So for me, for example, like it's become a bit boring now because everyone calls me for like this, like strong, independent woman, you know, boss lady kind mm. of roles. And I'm like, Ugh, dude, I'm like literally like the biggest puddle you'll ever meet. You know, <laughs> I mean, I just have like a symmetrical face and I'm just paying the price of that. <laughs> but um, I think it's kind of so once you know what the what the lines are trying to do and what the page is trying to say, I think it's just good to allow yourself to get directed and then be spontaneous, like just be, mm. you know, have the ability to just know when it's time to come up with a great idea mm. um, and have the ability to know that it, this idea may be great, but it's not for right now. Um, and I think it's okay that to just ask someone, like, what if I do this? And they may not be into that. Or if you do something and you don't feel like it went well, ask them for another take. Wow. And, you know, you know, I, I feel w when you're doing an audition, I'm, and, and le at least myself, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I mean, I, I don't plan on being an actor, but I, I'm just, I'm just... It, like interested when I put myself in that position, I feel like I would, you know, be looking at all the micro expressions of everyone in the room. Like, how did they react to me saying that line? Like, wh what That's did they That's the face one move? thing you can't do. I bet, right? Because that you just are performing you for a camera. You are performing for a camera. You're not performing for people. That's what you always have to remember in film acting: mm. that your audience is the camera. You gotta love the camera. You gotta make love to the camera. That's the only way. I don't even look. I've, I've, and it takes a while, huh, to like learn to like block out people mm -hmm. uh just to even keep your eyes straight actually it's not ever like you never really look into the camera you always look like left of camera or right or just like right of camera mm -hmm. um and that takes um i think that's just practice and experience like you know sometimes when there's a camera behind me i can kind of tell where it is mm -hmm. and it's just like a third eye that you kind of get after a while uh so you know how to intuit it but um you just can't perform for, you can you should perform for people in a play mm -hmm. because that's your audience uh, because that's the medium. But for for a film or for a show, anytime you're on set, you should just be performing for the camera. 
Even wow. the director is not sitting anywhere near the camera. They're sitting on a monitor that's like far away. Mm. Yeah, that that makes sense. You know, you know. Have you ever watched Curb Your Enthusiasm, the Larry David show? Not, not enough. You know, I know what you're talking about, but I I haven't seen enough of it. It is the best comedy on the planet. It's it's all based on improvisation, which is what I find the the best thing about it. But mm. there's a character called Leon, and he's played by JB Smoove. Okay, and. Yes. How he did his audition, I found awesome. He came in as the character of Leon, and he came in with his own interpretation. And everybody in the room, in the casting directors, were like, "What the hell is this guy doing? He's he's crazy as shit." But the the role was crazy. And then randomly, in the middle of him doing his, you know, Leon, they were like, "Oh, this is actually the character that we were looking at." And I feel like yes. that's probably like no nobody probably does that, huh? Like that's probably a way like you can separate yourself. I have seen people do stuff like that all the time, and okay. the reason that you're telling this story right now is because this one worked out. That's true. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, you will hear so many casting directors tell you similar stories of like this guy just came in and did this, and he just put out his interpretation. In mm. this case, it worked. You know, and I definitely appreciate um, any actor who has the courage to do something like that. Um, but uh, it's not my jam, you know, because again, like it's rare that shit like that works out. Mm. Um, and those are the, the like the stories we hear, like the crazy stories we hear of are the ones where it worked, it went the way it was supposed to. Uh, but the sto- when it doesn't go the way it's supposed to go to, uh, when it doesn't go the way it's meant to, then you're not going to hear about that. You're not going to talk about that person who came and did that crazy thing at the audition when they didn't get the job. Mm. You only talk about them once they've gotten the job and they've done the show and the show is a huge success. Now that story <laughs> becomes important. <laughs> That's know? true. That's true. I didn't think about it yeah. like that. Um, but but yeah. that is very true. And and like, dude... If you think of like people who got married, right? Like you mm. find like someone be like, oh, I did this and I, you know, I, I did this crazy thing to try and like court this girl. And, you know, you'll hear a story about like some guy who was just like, running behind a girl, like doing whatever, staying, standing outside her house, et cetera, et cetera. And then one day she gave in and then they, they got married. They lived happily ever after and it worked out and everyone celebrates that at their 25th anniversary. But um, most of the time when that happens, that guy is just a stalker. Yeah, you're going to get a restraining order you know? if you do that. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. That's not going to work and out. Those are, the, <laughs> those are the stories that are not getting celebrated. <laughs> 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 that is very true, dude. And I just have two final things uh, before we wrap mm-hmm. up. Um, one is on the day of aud- an audition, right? Or the day of you doing a big scene in whatever you're acting in that particular day. What do you do, you know, before that makes you feel at your highest frequency? I, I guess we could say like, are there any habits like, you know, reading or, you know, meditating? You were saying like, what, what do you do? I don't do anything. You don't do anything? Honestly, and I think this is the this is the best thing that I have learned over time, that this is just a day, mm. right? And I like to meditate because that's the way that I make every day better and optimum for me. If I start thinking this is a big scene and what am I going to do, I'm going to fuck it up. 100% I'm going to fuck it up. So I think that the best thing you can do is be relaxed. Um, acting, you know, you have to... You have to relax everything around you to let your actual, your actual art come out. If you have, if your mind comes in the way of that, like I'm not saying that we shouldn't use our mind. The mind is an organ that was created to make thoughts, but there is a time to use it. Use it when you're preparing. Use it when you're coming up with ideas for the scene. Use it when you're learning your lines. Use it when you're trying to understand what those lines are trying to say. Throw your fucking mind out of the window when you're acting. 
How do you do that? I mean, like, how can you do that? You give in to the process. You just give in. And how do you give in? I mean, that's something that you learn how to do. That's that's a great question for just life in general. How mm. do you give in? Imagine if we could do that with everything. You know, just just give in to this moment. If you could do that, then I mean, I can't imagine that something fantastic wouldn't come out of every living moment. Might be too much to handle. <laughs> is is it repetition though? Like, because now you've done it so many times that you can. And I think, and and this is again an assumption, but is it that you've been successful en- enough times to be confident in in what you were? And I I did want to touch on confidence because you you mentioned that, but I don't know if we'll have the time. Um, but no, that's fine. We you can go on. It's okay. We can okay. go over. Awesome. So. Uh, like is do you think it's that like do you think it's the repetition that gives you that ability to be like look I, I've done this I, I can do it again I think it's um, I think again the repetition is practice and experience learning to let go is one of the hardest things in the world I still don't know how to do it not consciously and it becomes easier for me sometimes in as an actor because I get to leave myself behind. And that's a relief most of the time. You know, um, it's uh, I know it's not in my control. I know my own performance is also not in my control because someone's going to take it and cut it up and do something different. So um, there's going to be a director's take on it. There's going to be edits. There's going to be the other actor. There's going to be music. There's going to be so there's going to be packaging. There's going to be so much that happens after my performance that the best thing that I can do is just be the best that I can be right Mm -hmm. now. So um, I think confidence, it's not, I don't personally, I mean, you've been very kind and talked about all this success. I don't think I'm that successful, not in my eyes. If I look back to where I started seven years ago, I would kill to have all the things that I have today, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but I don't think that for me, there are very few moments that have felt like that sort of divine moment of like, I'm really doing this. I'm really sort of, you know, tuned in, tapped in, turned on. That doesn't happen all the time. And it doesn't happen to me all the time. It doesn't happen like in auditions all the time. It doesn't happen on shoots all the time. It just doesn't happen all the time. It's not meant to. Yeah, I don't We'd think be you want that to happen. I, I don't think you want that to happen. I would, be, I would love it if I could, you know, but I think that it's just not a possibility. But no, I don't know. I mean, so, like, uh, sorry, I'm going to question you on that because it's like if you were feeling like that high all the time and you were always super confident, like you wouldn't reread your lines a hundred times before going into that audition, right? Because you, you, you'd be like, I'm, I'm going to get this, you know? But since you had that, you, you, you put in that effort. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that... Um, so when I say confidence, what I mean is that So, okay, the confidence of getting a job you can never have because I walked in very confident and not gotten the job. I have walked Mm -hmm. in highly underconfident and thought I did a shit audition and still gotten the job. Mm. So there's no telling, you know, and you just don't know what the camera is capturing. Honestly, you don't know what the camera is capturing. The last thing that I shot, um, I was so happy with my work. The director was so happy with my work. Um, You know, it was over lockdown. I just, I missed acting so much. I was just very, very happy. But when I saw the product, it just didn't work for me. And even my mom agreed. So I knew that it was true. You know, um, it just didn't work because yeah. the way that the, that the way that that story had gotten edited was just not the way that I had seen it. And it was just not the way I was directed. And it just wasn't working. 
my pauses were just too long for an edit that was going to go that fast and i'm going to take the kinds of pauses and time depending on like what i've been told to do by a director you'd never think of things like that you know and i was really disappointed so my experience on the shoot was wonderful but while i was watching it i was just not happy with what i saw it just had not translated that can happen but um i think like being on a high is very different to being centered and being at peace being on a high is just as much of a fallacy as being on a low you know um like highs are fun for sure mm-hmm. but i think i think we just need to i like to tell myself that i just want to tune in i just want to tune into this moment like a like a radio frequency you know when you turn a radio dial it will catch a different frequency mm-hmm. um and i just want to be here as much as possible so um i have no major processes i you know i don't have um a thing that i do i don't go for like a jog i don't carry like some like red ball in my pocket that brings me back to this moment or anything mm-hmm. like that um i have just been working very fiercely on myself as a person for the last so many years and i try to bring that into my work wherever i can whether it's acting whether it's writing whether i'm just like languishing and watching tv i just try and um be there mm, and be present i think that's yeah and i think i think it's really important that we stop taking ourselves so seriously honestly i think that is the biggest that's why i hate words like those the dreams and the courage and the this and you can do it and all of that stuff like i feel like i wish we weren't taught all that shit honestly mm. i wish we were taught to have fun and i wish we were taught that like when you are really having fun and when you're really tuned into what you're doing you're going to do well at it and then eventually you will make money on it you know but um i don't think that like human beings came on this earth to prove themselves and you know leave mm-hmm. legacies and do all this serious shit i don't think that i mean that would be so sad dude we if didn't that was it. <laughs> like that, <laughs> there's no like everything we do is is so artificial and like everything used to be so community based I, i you know i'm guessing from from what i've read and but to go back onto um what you were saying have like I, sorry i just we can take a time out have i thrown you off with these answers i guess no no dude i'm for or something i'm loving this conversation <laughs> okay all right <laughs> honestly <laughs> uh, um i, I thought so, that you may want like some like seven habits of highly successful people or something <laughs> like that no no dude i i honestly like th- this is what i i, I honestly like the um the truth everyone's too you know like you said happy go lucky like as in like you know fulfill your dreams but it's so hard to for a listener to tangibly take that and be like you know how do i use that um happy go lucky is great i wish i was a happy go lucky person i was not born this way mm. and i'm not naturally like this i'm naturally a serious person that's the way i came into this world mm. i have worked really hard to like i hated my 20s because i was taking everything so seriously i was so anxious every i couldn't bear the un- uncertainty and now i just find that it's not that it gets easier it's just that you get better you know you just get better at life you are a little more practiced like getting older has been one of my favorite things in the mm. world because i've just gotten better at life no you know, and, and I'm, I'm, taking things less seriously has been a big part of that and and uh, dude i'm i'm, re- i'm well, i stopped reading this book because i i kind of hated it in the middle but um i have it there but it's too far to reach out to but it's it's called uh <laughs> <laughs> 
how to you really want to talk about motivation you can't reach for a book right <laughs> okay now. you know fuck it i'm going to fuck it <laughs> you know one of the major reasons I, i don't want to reach to it is cuz i'm wearing boxers as well and if i get up like i don't want oh it's not the first time i saw a guy in boxers it's really okay <laughs> yeah but i don't want the rest of my podcast listeners to see that as well so you can just kind of scoot out <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this book dude the subtle art oh, of not this was the worst dude this yeah, is the worst book i dropped it This is It's the worst, the worst book. book. First of all, dude, you know what? First of all, the quality of this book is shit like without getting into it. Like th- the pages just fell out. Like <laughs> literally just pages fucking fell out. It was fucking stupid. And now this guy has a YouTube channel where he does the same shit. But it was just like, I you know, think he was a good writer. Like I liked some of his articles and his blogs and I think mm-hmm. my guess is that this is just like the editor is being like you need to turn this into a book. And his thoughts were never meant to be a book. You know, they mm. were meant to be articles. They were meant to be smaller thoughts. Because I know, I know he wrote an article on mediocrity mm-hmm. and why it's okay to be mediocre. And I really enjoyed that article. Mm-hmm. But I think that when you have a book, you have to have a takeaway that's something else. And I just don't feel like it happened in this book. Like I was like, this is so dumb. He uh, he kept it like he kept it too happy go lucky. He kept it too mainstream. I would say there was a, there wasn't anything like. Mm. I was just I was pretty disappointed cuz cuz I liked that book but I I liked the name of the book because I I do think that the we, name was the clickbait in that book exactly. cuz everyone took a picture of it and then it's a great put it out there and it's bright orange it, it does that job but you know mine was blue my copy is blue oh yours was blue <laughs> yeah and then they turned it into like tote bags and coasters and magnets yeah. you know and it's provocative Right, mm. it's like look at the language. It's so provocative that mm. it's like, of course, people took pictures of it and put it on their Instagram. People are starved for content anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, content, that's another one. That's that that's another that's another whole thing that we can go down. But I, I just wanted to end like go on to, um, you know, I feel like I'm my best, and I feel like probably a lot of people feel this it, when when I'm with like my closest friends where I don't have to give a fuck, right? Like if I'm in the mood where I want to be funny, I'm my funniest when I'm when I'm with my closest friends and I'm not looking for their micro expressions to see how did they react to a certain joke I made, right? I'm just going to say it and I don't care if they don't laugh, right? That is the kind of mode and that's kind of the Larry David character in Curb Your Enthusiasm that I wish I could and I feel like you're talking about like just extract to the rest of our lives you know just be that i don't give a fuck like be nice but be like i don't give a fuck at the end if if you don't like how i'm acting. i think it's nice to give a fuck like i think you should just not give a fuck about the consequence mm. you know as long as you're not hurting people or offending people that you don't want to i think uh, you know if i go out there and do something i already know how to do then what what did i learn mm. if i if i go and do the things that i i know how to do that i know will work that I know my audience already likes and I have not changed. I I don't think I've ever learned from success as much as I've learned from failure. Mm. So I, it's not like I want to fail. I'm just I've just become comfortable with it. And and that's you like that that's the toughest thing probably. Getting used to that, getting used to being in that arena. Um so I I dude, I think that's a great place for us to wrap up we kind of I, i had this little structure that i sent you before we got on but i don't think we followed it which i love i love not following that structure um but dude i i've i've loved having you on it's been so good to, to get to know you thank you yeah i had about. fun with the conversation too awesome and thank, thank you everybody to listening uh isha where do you want to send people after they listen to this podcast should they go to your instagram website where should they go oh 
uh, oh, I get to do a plug-in. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask me, where do you want to send people? Like, where do I think they should go? Um, uh, yeah, they can go <laughs> to my Instagram. Where do you think they should I go? Think, <laughs> I Sorry. don't know. I think they should just go party a little bit, you know, <laughs> but it's COVID. I, I would just want to, like, send people, get them drunk, you know, get them a little mm. bit stoned, like, just get them to, like, have a good time, you mm. know, eat some cake, binge watch something. That's my <laughs> that's my jam, you know. Um <laughs> But um, I'm very work hard, play hard. Mm. So um, where should they go? Yeah, they should go to my Instagram. Where else? IG. What's your IG like handle? It'll be in the my link below. My IG handle is Isha Chopra. That's E I S H A C H O P R A, and that's um, I think that's where I'm. I best express myself. Okay. Awesome, dude. Thank you so much, and thank you everybody for listening. Thank you. See yeah, you all in the next one. Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, just uh, burn your copies of The Secret. <laughs> <laughs> wow, dude, it seems like you were 10 times more productive after listening to that entire conversation. You deserve a treat. Go get yourself, you know, some nice ice cream or some shit like that. And if you're lactose intolerant and you can't eat dairy, I, fuck, I don't know. What can lactose intolerant people eat? Fucking... Yeah, I don't know. I think you're fucked. There's not, not, if you're lactose intolerant, I'm sorry. There's nothing I can tell you. Your life kind of sucks. And um, by the way, dude, my random productive fact of the week is that an apple a day will get the doctor to say you're a dumbass. Because, you know, just because axioms rhyme doesn't mean they're correct. Apples are full of sugar and they taste bad. So stop it. I, I'm actually on a mission to make sure apples get extinct. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the So Damn Productive podcast. If you liked it, dude, go smash that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And see y'all in the next one. Peace.